You're listening to the DNB Supply Show podcast, your number one resource for living the country lifestyle. This is your host, Matt Breckwald, coming to you from my place in the country to yours. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome back to the D&B Supply Show. Hey, this is your host, Matt Breckwald, and thank you so much for being with us here again today. Well, I'll tell you what, over in eastern Oregon, specifically Baker City, Oregon, there is a wonderful piece of architecture, a wonderful piece of history, and some fascinating stories, and it's called the Geyser Grand Hotel. I've always been fascinated with this place. I have yet to stay there, but that is going to be remedied soon. And I wanted to share this story with all of you. Today, I am able to interview Barbara Sidway, who actually has a very interesting story of her own in terms of restoring and replenishing historical and architectural masterpieces like we have right here in Baker City, Oregon. And she and her husband are the owners, the operators of the Geyser Grand Hotel, and she is a wealth of information both about the history, some of the little idiosyncrasies of things that have happened in Baker City over the last 130 years, and of course, everything that she is doing now with the Geyser Grand Hotel, as well as a new experience called the Grand Ranch Experience taking place for people to go out and experience cattle ranching. And of course, I love that uh, right there in Baker City. So we're going to have that all coming up for you here in just a moment. Barbara, welcome to the show. Thank you very much for joining me. Hey, pleasure to be here, Matt. You know, I have really been looking forward to doing this interview, and I've heard so much about the Geyser Grand Hotel, and I've got to correct an injustice. I've never actually stayed there, so I'm going to have to make that happen soon. We can fix that, yes. <laughs> well, I really am happy to be able to share this piece of history from our region with everybody who's listening, and what I'd like to do just by starting out, just kind of let everybody know who you are and that way, they'll know who they're listening to and why you get to talk all about the Geyser Grand. And then we'll just dive right into this wonderful place. Sure. So um, my business partner and husband and myself have been serial preservationists. We've worked all over the country, actually. And um, the community reached out to us and said, hey, we have to save this Geyser Grand Hotel. We came out here in 93, and we sort of just never looked back. And are so enjoying living in Baker City and this area of the country. Um, it's We're not here by birth. We're here by choice. Interesting. So, boy, you just opened up a whole other can of worms. I could do a whole other interview on just that. So you and your husband like to go out and preserve historically significant sites? Exactly. Uh-huh. Very. So we've done the Billmore Hotel in Coral Gables, which is Bill Clinton's favorite hotel. It's got a golf course. It's on the water. I think it's still the largest... Uh, historic restoration ever done in the southeastern U.S. as an example. Very interesting. So how did you get started doing that? Well, I got my MBA from the University of Chicago. I was in banking. I wound up in real estate. And I just thought that saving our cultural legacy, our past, was interesting. The building stick structures from from the ground. Way more interesting to me. Wow. Immediately gravitated to that. Met my uh, now husband and business partner on a preservation project, and we joined forces and done some cool stuff and happy about it. That's really cool. So when you go about the search process, I mean, how do you dig up a place like the Geyser Grand in Baker City, Oregon, and figure out, okay, this is a place we need to go and do this do this at? 
Well, I'll tell you, it's they found us. Uh, there's this wonderful program called the uh, the Main Street program that's actually vibrant in a, in a number of communities in Eastern Oregon and into Idaho, notably Pendleton, Legrand, Baker City, Nampa, to name a few. And that program was beginning here in the early 90s when the Geyser Grand Hotel was scheduled for demolition. It was going to literally become a parking lot for a new bank. And the Main Street program is all about preserving our historic communities, our commercial core. And so the new director of that, his number one job was to find somebody fool enough to to (laughs) save it. And he did. (laughs) We won some awards and so on. And so he just badgered me. I was living over in Portland at the time to come on out and, and see this beautiful area. Eventually we did, and we said, okay, we're game. That is really, really interesting. Well, for anybody out there in our audience who doesn't know what we're talking about, when I say the Geyser Grand, obviously I only live a couple hours from Baker City, so it's very familiar to me, but for anybody who doesn't know what it is, could you explain what the Geyser Grand is really quick? Sure. So uh, the Geyser Grand was built in 1889, and it became known as the finest hotel between Salt Lake and Seattle. And so it was the big deal place for a few decades when Baker City was at at its high point. And so it delivered excellence and luxury in a, a, a place that was certainly just emerging as civilized. So back in 1889, what was Baker City known for? What was emerging there? You know, Baker City was the Paris of the West. It was a rival to San Francisco. It was the place of culture and commerce for the entire area of your radio audience. If you struck it rich in Idaho, you needed to find somebody to get some capital to buy equipment and hire labor, mm-hmm. this is the place you came. This is where you got investors borrowed money. This is also where you came and spent that those riches that you made on silk hats and crystal and so on. So this was the hub for that gold mining history that really largely has defined the settlement of, of the West here. Well, now, Geyser Grand, when I first went to spell this, I spelled it like Geyser, like Old Faithful at Yellowstone, but that's not how it's right. spelled. So how did it get its name? Sure. So so Baker City was also a melting pot and a magnet attraction for people from all over the world, uh, Europeans, Chinese, everywhere. And a Swiss-German family emigrated here with the last name of G-E-I-S-E-R, Geyser pronounced. Mm-hmm. And they were Swiss capitalist bankers. I don't think they got their boots muddy very much, but they became multimillionaires in the 19th century when that million was a really like a billion today. And so they chose to build the hotel, name it after their family, as a statement that both they and this community had arrived. Now, today, is it a historic landmark? It is, and it is joined by 134 buildings that are on the National Register of Historic Places in our beautiful historic downtown. You know, when you come into to Baker City, it's almost like it's an architectural museum of richness, and you can just stroll block after block of beautiful Victorian architecture. Very interesting. I had no idea that there was that many historic buildings right there in that one location. It's uh, actually someone told someone with great knowledge told me that this is the largest intact 19th century streetscape in the American West. And it's intact because so few buildings were lost to fire because there was so much money here. They were built with stone and rock instead of just wood. And 
Baker City did in the 20th century suffer many decades of economic uh, difficulty. And so there wasn't the push to demolish buildings and build new ones as mm-hmm. you had, for example, in, a, in the booming town of Boise. Gotcha. So that's why we just wound up with this wonderful collection of architecture here. Wow, that is great. That is great. Now, you mentioned that it was Victorian. I was going to ask you about the architecture, but what was that period when, when Victorian architecture was kind of what was being built? Sure. So when Queen Victoria was reigning in England, that's why it's called Victorian. And there were many different styles within Victorian architecture. Uh, there was French Empire, and this is Italian Renaissance Revival. So you will see classical design elements on the exterior and interior of the building that define that Italianate. So there'll be Roman Ionic capitals of these soaring mahogany columns inside the hotel and classical design elements in the decorative tin on the outside of the hotel. For example, the defining characteristic of the exterior of the hotel would be the cupola, which is an Italian term for sort of a fanciful, decorative, high element that has clocks in it. And that's at the corner of the building, eight-sided. Well, I tell you what, let's take a quick commercial break. When we come back, I've got so many questions for you about this piece of history in the West. You bet. Wrangler is made for those who roll with the times. Stop by D&B Supply for summer looks that fit in anywhere life takes you. With a modern take on iconic Western style, Wrangler has new styles and great fits in shorts, tees, dresses, and more. For everyday life and epic moments, Wrangler is always ready to roll. Some things never go out of style. For classic wardrobe staples that stand the test of time, get your Wrangler wear at D&B Supply. Get charged up for your garden work this spring with the all-new HSA 25 battery-powered garden shears from Steel. Available at your favorite DMB Supply for just $119.95, these shears are perfect for detail-oriented trimming, making it easier than ever to make quick work of all your garden projects. And with a name like Steel, you can trust they'll last season after season. So head to DMB and trim down your spring to-do list with the first-ever battery-powered garden shears from Steel. Barbara, this is just fascinating, and I'm, I'm so thrilled to be able to, to learn the background of this great Western history, and it's always been something I've been fascinated with, no matter where I've been at. Now, going all the way back to 1889, we know it started off with, with the family, the geysers, I guess we would say, but how many owners has it had since then? It's had more owners than we could even count. It's been won and lost in poker games. It's been purchased by folks with not enough resources to even repair the roof to keep the water out. It's just, it had a difficult time in the 20th century. (laughs) Well, that's a lot of owners. I cannot imagine winning a place like that in a poker game. Mm -hmm. Yeah, in fact, one of the uh, wealthiest, most successful developers in Portland's aunt owned it for a period of time, and he lived here, and he would ride his tricycle around the atrium and tell stories about how, you know, Beautiful it was, but yet so hard for his aunt to manage because it was, you know, economically struggling and the building mm-hmm. was physically deteriorating markedly throughout the century. Now, I've got a, I've got a good friend from who grew up in Baker City, and he told me that at one point in time before it was restored, that there was actually like a pool of water down in it because the roof wasn't wasn't working. Is that right? Yeah, that's the truth. So the the roof was originally uh, done, of course, in 1889, and it was re-roofed in 1930. From 1930 to 93, there was no roof repair. There, it was just 
nothing was done to it. So much of the roof was missing and there was water intrusion. When I first entered the building, there was water up to my shoelaces as I came in the door oh, on my. the first floor. Wow. And now there's a cellar in it as well. So was the, the entire cellar just full of water? Uh, there were places where there was deeper water than others, just sort of the how the the where the roof was leaking and uh-huh. so on. But there's a very large basement, which was all work area and made out of tough rock, spelled T-U-F-F. It's a volcanic rock locally mm-hmm. quarried about 11 miles outside of town. And so some of that tough rock that was fortunate and didn't get water intrusion remains today, and we've restored it, and it's really cool to look at. We have an event room, uh, and we show it on our tours. And by the way, we have tours of the hotel every Friday and Saturday at 2.30 if anybody wants to see all, all the stuff we're talking about today okay. and can't stay here for any reason. So when, where the tough rock did experience water intrusion, that rock reverted back to a sand and lost the integrity of the structure. And that's why the building was really starting to lose, you know, uh-huh. starting to disappear, starting uh-huh. to fall down. And that was the impetus. Well, let's go ahead and tear the thing down instead of going to the millions of dollars of saving it. I gotcha. The town. So how did you get convinced to take on this project? I know you said they reached out to you, but when you looked at everything that needed to be done, did this seem like a, a big project compared to what you had done before, or did this seem reasonable? It, it was a reasonable project. It was, it's about, you know, it's, it's quite, it's one of the smaller projects that we've done, to be honest. And we are very careful business people, as any good farmer or rancher is too. You go into it knowing that if you have misfortune, you're still going to survive it. So we were very careful and cautious as we worked with a structural engineer over the first 18 months. Mm-hmm. We were careful about how much money we spent. We were careful about how much money we paid for it until we could see that we could save the structure. It's almost like working with an oncologist. If you have a cancer, you've got to work through patiently one month at a time. What are you going to do to, sa- what are you going to, do to get to a good result? Mm-hmm. Ultimately, we were able to get to a good result. And then we went forward with the multimillion dollar restoration when we knew what we were doing, what we had to work with. Interesting. So now, the way that this works, did you actually purchase the hotel before you started this 18-month period, or how, was this all done? On- yep. Okay. We made a gamble that we might have a piece of land and a pile of rocks at the end of a couple uh, of years. Okay. So, obviously, you must have been able to, to purchase it at a, at a price that was reasonable for you to do that, to take that gamble. Right. Exactly. And then I think it was around a hundred thousand, including the liens we had to pay off. Not much. Okay. Wow. And then ultimately, how long did it take you to get it restored? So, starting in July '93 through the end of '94 was basically the the time it took to dry out the building with a temporary roof and have the structural engineer be evaluating it. Mm-hmm. So it was the beginning of 95 that we started to pour on the coals and go with the full restoration. Technically, we were done in 97, but really we're completed in 98. And folks that really know construction, if they knew the detail of it, they would you know roll their eyes and say, wow, that's fast. Five years feels like a long time, but in, because of the nature of the challenge, it was really pr- pretty quick. Interesting. So then did you open for business officially in 1998? 97. Oh, in 97. So there was still a little bit of restoration going on after you opened. Yeah. Right. In 97, the restaurant opened and then the the rooms were fully open in 98. But, you know, the work continues. Uh, We built a conference center here that can accommodate 300 people that opened in 2008. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then we're currently working on an expansion of the hotel, a significant one, where we're going to add another 20 rooms. So we'll have a total of 50 rooms 
the building immediately to the south of us that we share a common wall with mm-hmm. was built by the same contractors that built the hotel. And so we're going to be accessing it through, um, you know, so when you come in in a few months, instead of going to the ice machine, you're going to keep walking to uh, another 20 rooms and suites. All right. Well, let's take another break. And then when we come back, I want to ask you about some of the special features that are there at the hotel. When you love your dogs and cats like members of the family, you feed them like family too. Dish out the best nutrition for your furry. Dish out the best nutrition for your furry little friends with Blue Pet Food, available at DNB Supply. Blue starts every dog and cat food recipe with real meat, then adds in garden vegetables and antioxidant-rich fruit. Blue Pet Food does not contain artificial flavors, colors, or preservatives. Plus, there's never any corn, wheat, or soy, and no chicken or poultry byproduct meals. For every four-legged member of your family, stop on by DNB Supply for Blue Pet. Food. When weeds take over your lawn, you can crab about it or you can pick up bio-advanced all-in-one weed and crabgrass killer at D&B Supply. Just spray, then say goodbye to over 200 listed broadleaf and grassy weeds, all without harming your lawn when applied as directed. The ready-to-use bio-advanced all-in-one weed and crabgrass killer also includes a non-staining red marker that fades with sunlight to show treated weeds. Pick up a bottle at D&B and enjoy a weed-free lawn in no time. Well, Barbara, I was reading on the website that in the bar, there's a tin lion and there's a bullet hole in the tin lion. I got to know the story. Oh, absolutely. So I got to set the picture. This is back in 1889 when there were no street lights. Uh, there were saloons lining Main Street, lots of miners with new money in their pocket, and everybody's carrying a sidearm. Okay. Mm-hmm. They come out of the bar and they see the clock tower with gas backlit clocks. And they're all liquored up and they're going to pull out their sidearm and they're going to shoot the clock. And that was such a problem that by 1900, 11 years later, they had replaced every one of the clocks with a decorative tin lion because oh, really? they were tired of having to repair them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And the bullet hole and the decorative tin lion that we were able to find actually bears witness to the fact that, yep, they were coming out and shooting it up. So the Wild West actually existed right there in Baker City. Yes, it absolutely happened right here. Yes, sir. (laughs) That's a fun story. Probably not at the time for the proprietors. Right. (laughs) But they were creative. They they, they fixed the issue, right? Pretty much. Absolutely. Now, along the lines of of really ornate and beautiful things at the hotel, you have the stained glass ceiling. Tell us about that. Is that original? Was that built later? I mean, how did that all come about? Sure. So originally, there was a stained glass ceiling here. And we had to prove that there was because it died. It was, we don't know, structural engineering, don't know. About 90 years ago, it disappeared. Mm -hmm. It was replaced with a simple sort of wood structure. So in the ethos of historic preservation, you never gild the lily. You never put in anything that wasn't there before. And so we had to prove that there originally was a stained glass ceiling here, which we did through physical evidence, photographic evidence, oral testimony, witness. And uh, and then we found some stained glass artisans out of Boise and commissioned them with designing a stained glass ceiling inspired by the other stained glass ceilings of hotels built in the same era. Mm-hmm. So they came up with the design. They bought stained glass from Europe that was 100-some years old because you don't make glass with lead anymore, and that's what you need to get the deep red and purple that's in our ceiling. Okay. And that they, they built it off-site and installed it, and uh, it's just 
we love it. It's like a cascade of rainbows on the floor every day. Never yeah. gets old. Yeah, you know, the photographs of it and, and doing your 360 virtual tour on the, on the website, it's really, really pretty. And I sit there and look at it, and I wonder how, it, how it's supported. Like, what keeps it from just kind of mm-hmm. caving in on itself? It's got to be heavy. Right. Yeah, it's, it's very well engineered. And uh, we have to revisit that engineering every 10 years because we have to take each piece of glass out, clean it, and put it back up. So we have a, a scaffold, not a scaffolding, it's like a... Actually, it's like a mini house, sort of a wood structure that we put underneath the stained glass. Sort of hard to explain, but it's it's a safe way for our guys to clean the glass, mm-hmm. and we bring that out. And it's it's basically there's a skylight above that's like the Louvre, okay. that's tilted, so we don't have um, accumulation of ice or snow. Okay, and then there are steel structures. You know, it, the engineering is not dissimilar from a suspended ceiling with acoustic tile. Mm-hmm. So it's a very seriously engineered structure, and then the, the glass panels lay into that superstructure. Well, that was going to be my question in terms of, like, snow load and things like that. But there's actually, there's light being directed into it, but there's not the ability for snow to settle and pile on top of it. Right. And sometimes, you know, a couple of years ago, we had that really bad winter. We would go up there and sort of, you know, help the snow out. But there are there are six roof drains within the light well mm-hmm. that drain off the, the, the uh, precipitation. Okay, now one of the things that you talk about and in, in, in the pictures are absolutely beautiful are all the use of mahogany in the hotel. Where did that mahogany get sourced from? Central America, Honduras, to be really? exact. Wow. Which means it would have come through, come to us through the port of Astoria and overland from there. No kidding. So do you... Can you imagine finding money in your budget to do that no. today? You know? No, and, especially, and that goes all the way back to 1889? Yes, sir. So do you know the history of that decision? Like, obviously, they were building just an absolutely beautiful building in a beautiful hotel. They just the, the person with the vision, they just they said, we need this particular wood from this particular area. Is that do you know the history of that? I don't know that particular decision, but it's one of many decisions that they made to just go for the most robustly glamorous place they could. For example, we know that the stained glass ceiling was done by the Povey Brothers Glass Studio out of Portland that did all the important stained glass work into a, from north of San Francisco into Alaska and over into Montana. So they commissioned those artisans to do that important work. That might have been as expensive as the mahogany decision. Yeah. Wow. That's incredible. Well, you've uh, got to you've got to admire people with the vision. And they won't compromise. They're gonna they're gonna make it as beautiful, no matter what. Even if the wood's got to come from South America. Yeah, it was it was almost like a, I wouldn't say spare no expense, but there seemed to be no choices that were made by budgetary limits here in the decorations and the elements. Well, you know, it's interesting too. You say that the original family came from Germany, and if you've ever been over there. I mean, almost everywhere you go, especially in hotels and in inns and things like that, they do put this level of craftsmanship uh, into their places. Mm-hmm. So I, they, they obviously brought that with them from Europe. Right. And you can, you can see hotels of the same year. The Empress Victoria was built in 1889. Many of those Fairmont hotels in Canada at that same time, the Palace in San Francisco, the Plaza in New York City. And you'll see similar design elements and sort of opulent decor mm-hmm. that was what you did at that time it was a time of great exuberance and design and optimism about 
the economy. Okay. Another break. When we come back, let's talk about some of the notoriety and some of the attention the Geyser Grand has received over the years. Feeding your pet's lifelong health starts with science, and that's exactly what's behind Hill Science Diet. Made by vets, scientists, and nutritionists, Hill Science Diet offers biology-based nutrition for all pets with formulas for every age, size, and special requirement or need, like joint health and weight loss that create differences you can see, feel, and trust. No wonder it's the number one veterinarian recommended pet food. So pick up Hill Science Diet at DNB Supply today. It's time to power up your plans for summer fun by picking up a Honda generator at D&B Supply. Available in a variety of configurations, you know you can rely on a Honda generator for the long haul because it's a Honda. Get staying power for RVing, camping, tailgating, and other off-the-grid fun. Even use it as a convenient, reliable backup for outages at home. Designed to power your adventures in life, grab a Honda generator today at your favorite D&B Supply. Well, Barbara, this is just a fascinating story and such a fascinating thing to have so close right here in our region. I wanted to ask you, what magazines, what newspapers have you been written up in or has the Geyser Grand been written up in over the years? Gosh, we've been really fortunate with a lot of media attention. I think the first big one that happened was the New York Times. Well, that's a pretty big deal, right? Yeah. <laughs> Newsweek. Um, my personal favorite, I think, was Country Magazine, which is a, a glossy um, magazine that focuses on the home and food and sort of country culture and values. Mm-hmm. And they did an eight-page glossy spread on us and, and talked about our commitment to our food program, which I'm really proud of. And um, I, it, it was also about the architecture and history, but it, it more focused on our food. So it was really of you know great interest to me. Uh, we've been on a variety of TV shows, you know, reality TV shows locally and also uh, internationally. Even one year, um, the New Year's Eve show from Tokyo broadcast live from Baker City. Believe it or not. Okay, I got it. <laughs> the New Year's Eve show from Tokyo broadcast live mm-hmm. from Baker City. You got to explain that one. Well, the uh, there's a show called Unbelievable that is the primetime Saturday night show, and they've filmed here about eleven times, mm-hmm. and they. You know, I've been told, like, you know, we're sort of famous in Japan. And so instead of, you know, here they'll go, here, let's go to Austin, let's go to L.A., let's go to Vegas. Uh-huh. They, you know, chose Baker City. And they had <laughs> 20, 30 staff members here and, you know, sent out celebrities to be on camera and all that. It's pretty fun. Wow, that is fun. So do you have a lot of uh, Japanese guests coming all the way from Japan to stay there? Well, not so much Japan. We have more Europeans, but I would say, especially in our busy months, probably about you know ten percent of our guests are coming from outside the country. Oh wow! Even now, mm-hmm. very cool. Now, along along the years, you know, the last hundred and thirty odd years, I guess you're at a hundred and thirty year anniversary right now, aren't you? Yes, we are actually. Thank you. <laughs> very cool. Well, so who have been some of the most famous, or you know, the guests with the most notoriety who have come and stayed? Well, historically, I think Teddy Roosevelt is our favorite because doesn't everyone love that character? Yeah, absolutely. You know? Yeah, we're not sure if he stayed the night here or not. We think so. We don't have the proof of it, but we know he was in the hotel and dining green turtle soup. <laughs> green turtle soup. Very cool. 
and there were white-gloved waiters, right? So the, the hotel would have fancy food because the Transcontinental Railway came through here. Mm-hmm. So the hotel was able to acquire live Maine lobster, New York ice cream from the freezer cars and aquariums they had for the lobsters as they came through in the early 20th century, still in its heyday. In more recent years, you know, there's not a senator, a governor, a congressman uh, that hasn't stayed here. We have a variety of, you know, rock stars that will stay here when they're, you know, have a venue in Salt Lake and Seattle, mm-hmm. like Sean Mendes type people. We have a variety of TV celebrities like, um, who is the guy from Frasier, Kelsey Grammer, uh-huh. folks like that will, will, will stay here. And it's fun. It's super fun for the staff. We think we take good care of them. We try. And on your website, it talks about your menu, your Northwest menu. So when we say Northwest cuisine, what are we talking about? So we talk about what is appropriate for the region. Our number one focus is what is local, what is locally available, and we highlight that in our offerings. Mm-hmm. So our beef comes from a ranch six miles away. It's all certified Angus beef, which is the top, I don't know, 8% or something of the, of the beef that they grow. So it's locally sourced. It's aged 30 days in-house, and the guys know what they're doing with it, but they're not... The treatments are not exotic or foreign. They're very much hands-on what would or should be happening if you're treating our local uh, products from our ranches and farmers farms with integrity and mm-hmm. care. Well, when you said local, I knew it had to be beef. Baker City. Yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, sir. Good. All right. Well, let's take our final break, and then when we come back, I want to ask you about a couple of the rooms and then uh, what you like to do there in Baker City. It's a pretty super life here at DMB Supply, even for dogs and cats, because we now carry Wildology, the only pet food with Super Life Pro, a live probiotic blended with superfoods. Wildology is filled with the good stuff your pet needs to support a healthy body and immune system, like wholesome proteins, kale, chia seeds, and blueberries, because a healthy pet makes for a happy pet. Unleash your pet's superpower and pick up Wildology cat and dog food at your favorite DMB Supply. It's lawn care season, and that means a return to the battle with unwanted weeds. DNB Supply makes your lawn and garden shootout simple with Orthos Ready to Spray Weed Be Gone. Weed Be Gone Weed Killer is guaranteed to kill weeds to the roots. Plus, with the convenience of ready to spray packaging, you can arm yourself and kill over 250 weeds easier than ever. So make your battle with weeds a breeze with Orthos Weed Be Gone. Available at your favorite DNB Supply. All right, Barbara. Well, now that we're back, I I wanted to ask you about a couple of the rooms in the hotel. I really wanted to start off with the historic cellar. So I saw that you had it labeled that way. What does that represent? So the historic cellar, it's in the lower level, the basement of the hotel. It has these wonderful hand-quarried, tough rock volcanic walls and windows into the tunnel system that was laid out when the city was laid out prior to 1889 has the original doors as well. And I think that when you see the windows, people just scratch their head and say, what is that about? Uh-huh. And that's an opportunity for us to tell the story of what this of what this town was about and its values and so on. And we do that in tours every Friday and Saturday at 2.30 in the afternoon. So the reason for the windows into the tunnels is that the sidewalks were rough-hewn wood and light would come filtering in through the rough-hewn wood and windows were a way to get natural illumination into a work area where otherwise you would just have, you know, 
gas, which is sort of dangerous. It's open flame. Mm -hmm. And electricity, you know, we did have electricity in 1889, but it was direct current. It was only 12 hours a day. wasn't like electricity today. Mm -hmm. So I think that's, you know, interesting. And the windows also show that the tunnels were actually used for the delivery of goods and services from building to building in, in, uh, in our little town of Baker City. You know, that's always so fascinating to find out that towns or cities have a tunnel system underneath. So is that tunnel system still in existence in Baker City? Technically, it is. It's used many times. In fact, our staff entry, um, every day we go through the tunnel to get to work. And there are many buildings in town that do use it in a variety of ways. But it no longer can be used to freely go from building to building Mm -hmm. because for the safety of the sidewalk of the pedestrians, Mm -hmm. the government has largely filled in most of the tunnels. Very interesting. But back in in the 1800s, early 1900s, what you were seeing above the surface, up on the street level, wasn't everything that was going on. There was stuff going on below street level. Absolutely. Isn't that fun to know? Yeah, that is really fascinating. And I've... You know, it's something you hear about. It's it's something I've never really understood, but great to hear that that was just so close, something like that was going on. Really fascinating. An example of how the tunnel system was used and no longer is, is when you would arrive by stagecoach at the hotel, there was an elevator in the sidewalk and your dusty luggage was swooped down into the basement through the tunnel and then was taken up to your room. So your dusty luggage would never appear in the fancy lobby with your fancy silk dress. (laughs) Very interesting. That is fascinating. Well, I'll tell you what, let's, as we're wrapping it up, I want to shift gears for a second and I want to talk to you about the Grand Ranch experience, which I know is something that, that you have, uh, you're very involved there in Baker City. Tell us what that is. So uh, we have a lot of urban people, people from out of the country that have very little to no understanding of ranching and farming values and how it works. Mm -hmm. And they're fascinated with it. They are so interested in the romance of the American West and the cowboy and all of that culture. But how do they access it? They're driving down the road. They see beyond the fences. They might see some cowboys. They might see some cattle, of course. But they don't really have any connection or a way to experience it. Mm -hmm. So it's something that we crafted as a way to allow these urbanites to get on the ranch and have a real authentic experience It gives the rancher the opportunity to tell the story of what it is like to work the land and how they care for the land. And perhaps they care for the land that's owned by the public, but what they're grazing their cattle on. Mm -hmm. And this is a subtle way to give an opportunity for the urbanites to have a better understanding of the issues that we have in our region here and to have a better elevated appreciation of, you know, what I call the ranch culture. Now, I'm from an urban area originally. I was born in Detroit. I lived in Chicago, Miami. And so I have come to have a great reverential appreciation for ranch culture and values. And so I wanted to have a way for our guests to have a little bit of an understanding of that. So as I'm sitting here thinking about it, I'm thinking of like, uh, for lack of a better term, like a dude ranch type of, of situation. Is that people can go out, they can get hands on? Right. And so um, as opposed to a dude ranch, this is something that only takes a couple, three hours. Okay. So it's easy, it's more approachable, easier to work into a family vacation mm-hmm. than the commitment for multiple you know, days and nights at a dude ranch. And it's also nothing that's really contrived. I mean, we, when, when we have a guest that wants to do a ranch experience, we have a dozen ranchers that we work with. And we do sort of a call out, what are you guys doing on this day? Mm-hmm. Do you think you're branding? Do you think you're fixing fences? 
how's it looking? And so we match up what they're interested in with what's going on. Mm -hmm. So one of the most popular things, if if somebody's, you know, um, uh, doing a rodeo practice, you know, the kids are practicing their uh, team roping or something, Mm -hmm. or they're bucking horses, you know, that's a really visually rich thing. So we pair them up with that many times. And of course, this time of year, you've got lots of cute baby animals, which is very popular. So Mm -hmm. we'll get them out on that. And then, you know, this is also the time of year when we're, we're moving cattle from one pasture to another, right? Yeah. And so having them participate in the moving of cattle, this is something that's an everyday experience on the ranch. We don't ask the rancher to create something for the guests. We just ask them to experience what that rancher's doing anyhow. Very cool. How did you find the, the ranchers to partner up with you on this and have people come out to their ranches and, you know, kind of add an extra layer to what they're doing on those days? Well, it's pretty easy because we do charge money and we pay out 80% to the rancher or cowboy for what he's going to be doing anyhow. Uh So it's always a welcome thing for them to be having that. And then the word just got out. um, And we have our managers are local. And one of them in particular actually lives on a ranch and is a rancher and does rodeo with her family. So that was, it was pretty, pretty easy to get the attention of local ranchers. And, you know, they like to be able, doesn't everyone want to be able to talk about what they do with pride and share that with other folks. So we're just making that possible. Well, I love anything that kind of spreads the message of agriculture and and educates people on how we do it. Mm -hmm. Well, for people who would want to come stay uh, or would want to come experience the Grand Ranch experience or the Geyser Grand Hotel, what are the busiest times of the year, I guess, and how far in advance should people be making reservations? Well, you can't make them too far in advance because – Right now, we're only 30 rooms. We'll, be, we'll soon be 50, but we're still small by any definition. And especially if you want to stay in that cupola jacuzzi suite or something, you, you know, book as soon as you can. You can always, you know, cancel with a week's notice. So mm-hmm. why not, you know, start making plans? You know, the tours are every Friday and Saturday, but there's only a maximum of 20 people. So you want to call ahead because we often are disappointing folks when the tours fill. We don't want to stress out that guide. Mm-hmm. Um, you can also experience just by making a reservation for dinner under the stained glass ceiling there's no minimum or cover charge or anything so just you know that's a you know pretty close to free way to to come in and experience this that way and we Mm -hmm. have a gift shop you can come explore we literally never lock our doors we're here we're open 24 7 so uh we couldn't be more accessible and it's a you know it's a wonderful little downtown to experience you don't need to just come for the guys are grand come to to have that richer experience of our of our shared culture in this in this historic downtown well for people who want more information barbara what's the best way for them to get that Honestly, the best way is to call us, and we don't have a voicemail or anything. We're just here answering the phone all the time, and that's just, uh, of course, 541 area code 523-1889, the year the hotel was built, so that's easy. And then you can go to the website, geysergrand.com, where you can do that virtual tour that you were um, smart enough to do, which does show a lot of detail. It does. Yeah, your website's fantastic, and I highly recommend the virtual tour because you get to see a lot of it, and it really kind of primes the pump. It's going to make you want to go. Thank you. You bet. Well, hey, thank you very much to you and your your business partner husband for saving this piece of history right here in our region. Really is wonderful that you did that and you've preserved that. And thank you so much for coming on today and sharing the story with us. Pleasure. Thank you all for joining us today. And here is to you and your pursuit of the country lifestyle, however you define it. For the DNB Show, I'm Matt Breckwald. <laughs>